You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 210. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 210. You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Baby cakes. Lovely. Bride. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah? You're st- staying cool? Staying cool. I keep it cool. <laughs> you keep it's it the cool. golden rule. <laughs> Take my kids to school. It's, I keep it cool. I keep it cool. You sure <laughs> you sure do keep it cool. Oh my goodness. It's the devil's weather here in Southern California, which is another reason why we need to get the fuck out of here. We complain about Southern California weather, but like I, I think most of the country's going, uh They're like, I don't feel bad for you. I don't feel, I don't bad, feel for bad for you. At all. Because yeah, well, what, sure. what you should feel bad for is how fucking expensive it is here. It is expensive. I will no. give you that. No shooting. No shooting on anybody about what they... Shoot all over yourself. <laughs> Don't shoot all over yourself. Speaking of that, that reminds me of our Would You Rather. Oh, yikes. Yeah. That sounds extremely riveting. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. Today, we are going to be talking about how to stop feeling so damn guilty. We're going to be talking about all things guilt. And all things guilt. It's something that I hear all the time from people. Like, I feel bad, but I feel so bad if I can't come through or I feel so guilty. We're going to talk all about why that's actually happening, what you can actually do about it. And I'm going to give you one of my favorite, favorite tools around working with guilt in particular so that you can start unpacking this in your world. Right on. couple of exciting things that you need to know about. Well, first of all, Our topic today is coming from a listener submission. So if you did not know that's a possibility for you, if you want to sound off on anything that you'd like covered on the show, you can find a place to do so in the show notes under this week's pod under thejoyjunkie.com slash 210 if you want to let us know anything that you want covered. And if you do not know already, we are rocking and rolling over at our secret society of awesomeness. that's right. That's right. Last week, I announced that the Joy Junkie After Hours Club over on Facebook is now available and ready and pop in, and you can come over there and become a part of this fun- Anyone? Anyone can? Well, I want audience members. Audience members. Podience yeah. people. It's the Joy Junkie After Hours. <laughs> That's super <laughs> creepy. <laughs> super creepy. That's not at all what I'm trying to convey. No, you're not trying to I get that. I feel like I gave you that feedback last week. You did, and I refuse. You refuse, which it's is too perfect. It's pretty much exactly how it goes. Oh my god! <laughs> if you want to get in on all sorts of extra awesomeness, it's the After Hours Club. Come over to thejoyjunkie.com/club. That will direct you to the Facebook group completely free. We're going to be talking about our biggest takeaways from each episode. We're going to have 
warm, fuzzy Wednesdays. We're going to have Q&A sessions where I come in and talk about what's going on for you as you've listened to specific episodes and then have questions for me or clarity that you need or more examples or what if this and what if that. I'll be giving you even more than what you get regularly on the pod. Just a big old community. It's going to be a big old community. Lots of love, lots of learning from one another. You'll have access to an incredible resource vault where you can get a hold of all of the freebies that I'm always giving away. And it's just going to be such a great time. So if you haven't joined us, please come over there. We're going to be talking about this particular episode. So I'd love to hear what is happening for you. That's one thing you definitely need to be aware of. Also, mark your calendars because we have another freebie. That is right. Oh, what? You know what that means. That means there's a... We interrupt this broadcast of the Joy Junkie Show to bring you this urgent free shit alert. Repeat, this is a free shit alert. That is right. It's time for one of my free online workshops. And it's called Three Ways to Immediately Silence Your Inner Shit Talker. And you can easily get your registration. Very simple. You just go to thejoyjunkie.com slash register, and that will get you your PDF workbook that you will absolutely want to have. Because as I've talked about many times before, you definitely need to get things out on paper. You need to have some sort of commitment. Everything else, if it just floats around in your mind, is just a good idea. It's not something that you're going to do differently in your world. So you have to, have to, have to have the workbook. Otherwise, it's a waste of your time. Thejoyjunkie.com slash register. I want to talk to you a bit about what we're going to be discussing and what you're going to learn. The first thing, we're going to be talking about how to stop your inner shit talker dead in her tracks, his or her tracks. Like, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And we do that by figuring out what triggers your self-defeating thoughts and speaking to yourself like a friend instead of an arch nemesis. So why does this matter? Because this is the voice that stops us. And we're going to talk about that a little bit here today, but this workshop will obviously dig in much deeper. That inner critic is what arrests everything that we want and desire in our world, the things we want to go after. And you have to have that inner conversation that pushes you towards what you want instead of focusing on all the shit you don't want. I mean, think about how often we talk shit to ourselves about all of the things we do not want in our worlds. Yeah. Imagine if we could switch that, if we could change that. Imagine walking into a job interview or a meeting with an important client and you start saying to saying things to yourself like, you've totally got this. I'm so proud of you and how you've prepared for this. You have so much to offer this team. They are lucky to have... I mean, imagine that. Seriously. Think about how much would shift in your world if you spoke to yourself consistently in that manner. You would likely put yourself out there more, date more, ask for what you want from your spouse or your children or your parents or fill in the blank. And it's not uncommon for my clients and students and people who I have worked with to find their dream jobs, the love of their lives, go after you know starting a brand new business that they've always wanted to do. Why? Because what you say to yourself matters. It sure does. And when you speak positively to yourself, you gain confidence and confidence gets you what you want, period. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. You look at people who are hugely successful, 
there's action behind them for sure, but the people who are successful and happy speak kindly to themselves, period. I mean, right. you, we definitely see people who are successful, but they're not that fucking happy at right. all. Yeah, you definitely right? see that for sure. And that can be indicative of how you speak to yourself. So, But that's what we all want. We just want to be happy. And so much of that has to do with how we speak to ourselves. Any people pleasers out there, we're going to be talking about <laughs> people pleasing. We're going to be talking about perfectionism. So I don't if, know if we have any of those on the list. <laughs> right? I don't think our listeners are like that. Well, it, they may not know this, but I would say... I have two very prominent types of people who follow my work. And this I've seen consistently with clients and students. They either are really arrested and debilitated by people-pleasing behavior or by chronic perfectionism. Yeah, that's kind of why I said that. Yeah. that's like, that's the demo. Those it, are the people that need this the most. That's right. For sure. If you're out there and you're going, oh, I know I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you this. Those of you listening who identify in that way, first of all, you got to start saying recovering, recovering. perfectionist yeah. or perfectionist in remission is one of my favorites. <laughs> Have you ever done this where you've gotten in an, a disagreement or maybe even in an all out fight with somebody in your life, a spouse, a kid, a parent, boss, friend? If they don't do something the way you think it has to be done. I mean, like fighting over the stupid shit where you're like, why'd you load the dishwasher like that? Or why can't you close the window bl blinds this exact same way? Or why did you submit that report? That And then it ends up all this angst and frustration. And here's the bottom line, you guys. Being a perfectionist is a recipe for always ending up deflated, anxious, and unhappy, period. Because you quite literally can never reach your goal. Perfect does not exist. So essentially forever and ever, nothing will ever be good enough. And that feels awful. You're sabotaging yourself. Exactly. Setting yourself up to, for failure. To always feel unhappy. Yeah. And that is so frustrating. And that's why you see people who are perfectionist behaviors, or who employ perfectionist behaviors rather, who are striving, 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 checking off all the boxes and wondering why the emotion of happiness isn't there. Mm -hmm. Because it's gotten completely lost in the shuffle because you're striving for something that you cannot attain. So in this workshop, we're going to be looking at how can you actually loosen that grip on perfectionism? Because when you're able to do this, really truly do this, and in my near decade of doing this work, I've seen hundreds of people step into this. Everything in your life, and I mean everything, is more enjoyable. Your connections with your kids are richer. Your life is far less stressful. You're able to really enjoy your friendships. And my absolute favorite is that you free up tons of time which allows you to spend time on things that bring you joy. And you know, the anecdote that I've used before about how I stressed out about the sandwiches being cut yeah. in triangles yeah, yeah. instead yeah, of yeah, squares, yeah. that steals my joy. That doesn't make me happy. So once I've really learned to relinquish that, I don't waste my energy on shit like that that doesn't ultimately matter. And I have so much more room for joy in my life, for happiness, for fulfillment, because I spend it on things I really value. It's because you're the fucking joy junkie. Well, the joy fucking junkie. <laughs> We're also going to talk about how to craft mantras that don't feel like a big old bullshit lie. 
this is one of my favorite concepts and tools to teach. Here's why this is so important. You are likely bought the fuck in to your negative self-talk. You believe wholeheartedly that you're not good enough or that you fucked up that last relationship. Some people don't even realize that they are. Of course not. That's how subconscious works. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get it all into the psychology of it. It is ingrained. That's right. So whatever we substitute it with has to be something that you believe. This whole personal growth thing will not work if you do not believe your positive self-talk. And a lot of experts will have you try to jump from self-loathing to self-love, you know, in an instant, which is kind of like going on a date with somebody and then they start talking all of a sudden about how you guys are going to decorate your kid's room. And you're like, wait, 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 run for the hills, right? It's too big of a jump to wrap your brain around. You need a transition, something that works for where you are now. Yeah. Right? I've created this formula that I'm going to teach you that will work with any type of negative self-talk that you want to change and it does it in a way that you can actually believe. And like I mentioned before, when you start to make this a habit, this perpetual constant self-talk that is positive your relationships are stronger because you speak up for yourself and what you need and what you desire you finally start that business because you have the confidence in yourself you finally get back in shape and get back into those skinny jeans you get the promotion you start dating again or maybe even get find your soulmate successful people who are happy truly madly happy Speak kindly to themselves, period, period. If you want to learn, I will teach you. And if you've accompanied me on any of these workshops, you know I I really do not fuck around. I give you quantifiable, tactile tools that you can implement to make this shit a reality. And if you want to get in, if you want to make sure you do not miss this, go to thejoyjunkie.com slash register. Grab a time slot that works for you and and get registered. We will get some shit handled. Sound good? I love it. All right. Cool. Maybe Mr. Smith will make a cameo. I don't know. (laughs) You're like, don't commit me. Don't commit me. I made a cameo on your uh, uh, After Hours. In After Hours. That's right. If you want further conversation, be sure to check out thejoyjunkie.com slash club. I'll throw all of this stuff in the show notes page too so that you can find it all in one place. Yeah. Nice, easy package. Yeah, exactly. If you go to the After Hours Club, or you can just search us on Facebook, and you can join the conversation there. We'll be talking about it a lot in there and having some discussion after hours, which Mm. is kind of cool. Lots of support. Cool. Well, I think that's it for announcements, so that might be time to pass the mic to you for a minute. That reminded me of high school for a minute there. Really? That does it for announcements. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, students. That does it for announcements. That does it for announcements. And now it's time for... Would you rather? All right. Today's would you rather is would you rather be toilet paper or an old kitchen sponge? (laughs) Uh, A sponge, I'm pretty sure. An old, mildewy, moldy, mildery sponge? I think so. I can't imagine being toilet paper. (laughs) Pretty bad. But then, I mean, think. But then you get flushed and you, you know. Think about the trajectory of your life, though. You, okay, well, first of all, you come from 
let's go back. You, yeah, let's go back. You, Think it through. What what it, it comes from trees somehow or yeah, recyclable some kind of paper, stuff, paper, right? and then you get manhandled. I guess you would get manhandled if you were yeah, a sponge too to get packaged up. Sure, but the the life of your shitty existence ha, would be very <laughs> short, whereas the process of making you would actually be longer than your usage, right? So you. That's but if you're this a, is really involved. But if you're a sponge, you get used for a good month and a half, two months. But I can't, you know, I don't know. Like if if I was a sponge, would it hurt to be rubbed up against things constantly, all the time, over and over and again, like wiping up all kinds of nonsense, gross stuff, cleaning out pans. Well, because I mean, I don't know counters. about sponges in your house, but the way we work it is like a fresh sponge comes out for. Our dishes, and then once it's past its prime, then it goes into cleaning supplies. That's true. I think a lot of people do that, right? And then it get used in the toilet, and you'd be just like toilet paper. And then it'd be, but it would just Worse. be a long old time of suffering. Okay, so now that I talked it all the way through, <laughs> I think I'd rather deal. But then if you, once you get flushed, you're all soggy, yeah. and then you. And you're are, all over the place. And then you end up in a sewer. Yeah, and that's where you spend your days. These so are both your, really that's bad. That's retirement days. So you're either retired by cleaning out toilet bowls or retired by hanging out in the sewer all day. Well, then, okay, but then if you, once the sponge finally, this is stupid. <laughs> I love that we've given it that much thought. <laughs> this is dumb. Oh, my gosh. When my editor hears this, when she edits the pod, she's going to be like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. This is the dumb shit. <laughs> oh, my God. I think it's pretty fucking funny. All right, so come over to After Hours Club and let us know what you would rather this particular <laughs> week. We can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait. I know that. Wow. All right, let's talk about how to stop feeling guilty, shall we? This came from a listener submission, as I mentioned earlier, and I'm going to just read a little bit about what she wrote. Hey, Amy, I've been listening to your pod for quite some time, and I've noticed a common thread around being able to tell somebody no without feeling guilty. I will admit that I'm a severe people pleaser at heart. You need to start saying recovering people pleaser. <laughs> Do not identify as being a people pleaser. Don't identify as being anything you don't want to be, period. Just a little side note. Severe people pleaser, recovering people pleaser at heart, but I've gotten better at knowing that I can say no and not have to feel guilty. What I'm running into is this. How do I know whether or not I should say no? She tells me a little bit of a story about a situation with a family friend who constantly asks for things from her and sort of her response of feeling guilty about mm -hmm. it. Okay. Long story short, I have an idea of how to say no politely on bigger things where her gut instinct is really, really clear. Yeah. It's the smaller things, like the small little requests, will you do this, you know, things that maybe you've always done where your gut instinct isn't rearing up necessarily. When it comes to smaller things, I have no solid first instinct on the matter. That's when I struggle of knowing if I should go ahead and do whatever it is that they're asking or decide that it does not align with what I'm doing. I hope this makes sense. Thank you for everything you and Mr. Smith offer. Well... Thank you for your listener submission, and you know what she's going to get for that one. It's a warm fuzzy. Warm fuzzy. Oh, warm fuzzy up in this bitch. Yay! I love it. Thank you so much for that. And you know what? You're not alone, and this particular episode is going to be all about our relationship with guilt. We talked a little bit last week about 
emotions and how they are such an incredible piece of who we are as humans. And I think that we get a lot of mixed messaging, but also faulty messaging about the different emotions that we experience, not just as adults, but also as children. And I think one of those is guilt. Yeah, we're taught, a big one. We're taught from a very early age to take responsibility for how somebody else feels. We're taught that very clearly. How do you think that makes that person feel? Right. And I do think that there's something to be said for our impact. And I do think there's something to be said for negative energy. You've heard me talk about that many of to- many times on the pod. Everything is energy. So mm-hmm. when somebody is rude or mean to you, that is legitimate negative energy coming at you. Of course, there's going to be an impact. You don't have to adopt that as truth. I'm not going to get all into that today. But what you need to know for our purposes for this episode is we're taught a very skewed and detrimental way to view guilt. I'm hoping that we can shake that up a little bit today. The first thing that I really want to underline here is that emotions are simply messaging. They are given to us to help guide us, whether it is something that we experience a lot of joy around. It's like, hey, this works for you, Amy, pay attention. If I'm really angry about something, hey, Amy, pay attention, something's not right here. It's calling forth this emotion that feels really uncomfortable. How do you need to address this? It's just trying to tell us something. Yeah. That's it. And they're fleeting. Emotions are fleeting. That's why you can look at your child and feel this immense, overwhelming joy and love and adoration and your heart is just so full. And then the next minute, they do something, you know, color all over the walls or some shit like that. And you're like, oh, I'm going to lose my shit with you. You know, you experience anger, frustration, anxiety. And it's fleeting. And then it'll go into another emotion. You start to calm down. They're just there to help guide us and experience our behavior a little bit more consciously and to add richness to our lives. Now, guilt in particular, what it is designed to do, the way, for instance, we've talked about fear. Fear is designed to protect us. It is a defense mechanism. It is there to teach us don't go climb off that cliff or don't run towards that bear yeah. or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like fear has a purpose in sure. our world. Same is true for guilt. Guilt is designed to reroute poor behavior. It is there for us to say, hey, that wasn't right. You shouldn't have done that. You need to go clean up your mistake. You have made a mess. The problem happens is... In these instances where we feel guilt when we have done nothing wrong. And Mm. that is largely what this episode is going to be all about. We take on the feeling of, I have done something wrong. I have been bad. I am not okay. I am not acceptable. In situations where we have done nothing unbefitting of us. What we're usually experiencing is being uncomfortable with somebody else's response to us. That's, that's, yeah, that's it. 
And our society, our conditioning has taught us to take that on as our responsibility, and we call that guilt. I want you to start thinking about guilt being warranted only when you've behaved in a way that you are not proud. For instance, I could do something that I'm totally proud of, and my mom might think that it is horrendous and try to make me feel guilty by saying things like, oh, well, you know how that makes me feel, and I can't believe that you would do that, and that just breaks my heart. That's a perfect example for me to go, okay, I could take on the responsibility for how she feels, but I don't, I'm actually totally at peace with how I've behaved. I'm proud of me. What I'm feeling in that moment is not guilt. It's uncomfortability with her response to me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's an interesting distinction. I think that's a key note to write down or to make note of. That's right. For this. That's great. That is exactly right. So the first the first point, emotions are simply just messaging. There's something to teach us and to listen to. Number two, guilt is designed for rerouting poor behavior. That's it. And poor behavior, I really want to underline that it's poor behavior according to you, not according to them. We have, again, been conditioned to believe that how other people perceive us must be how we perceive ourselves. And I'm hoping that if you hang out with me enough, you know that we're untangling a lot of that. You don't have to see yourself through the lens of your mom's viewpoint, of your dad's viewpoint, of the church's viewpoint, of your kids, whatever. You get to see yourself the way you do. I was thinking about that when we were looking at our pictures. And you look the same. The what, what pictures? In the, our our. Our photo shoot. Photo shoot yeah. our, we recently did a photo shoot, if you didn't know. <laughs> so we just did a photo shoot, and I'm looking at our pictures, and I see myself in the pictures very differently. Right. Because I don't see myself like that every day. Yes, I look in the mirror, but I don't see myself all the time. Where I see you all the time. So you look the same in the pictures, but I look very different to me. That's interesting. Whereas you'll look at me and go, yeah, that's you. That's how you look, right? Yeah. But just in my head, I see myself very differently than I appear in the pictures. Right. Very crazy. And so that's a perfect analogy. You could look at it and think one thing about yourself. I could look at it and think, oh, my God, he's so gorgeous. He's so handsome. Oh, my gosh, what a sex pot, which is usually what I think. He's so cute. Except for some of the pictures, I was like, what are you doing right there? (laughs) (laughs) I did have those. Somebody else might look and go, what on earth are you wearing? That's the dumbest thing. That's so stupid. Somebody else might go, ew, God. Somebody else might say, whatever, like super indifferent. The point is trying to control the responses. What everybody else thinks is a futile effort. Yeah. You have to be responsible for what you think. And as it relates to other people being happy with your choices or your decisions, you have to get really solid about what is a good choice of behavior, thoughts, stances, opinions, whatever it happens to be, according to you, not according to everybody else. You have to get grounded in that first. If you aren't, it's going to be very hard to unpack if you should feel guilty or not because mm-hmm. you're rooted externally. You're rooted in what everybody else thinks instead of what you think. What you think. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole too much. Were you going to yeah. say something else? 
Um, I was just going to come from a from the medical perspective. Oh. And say that you know I think what you're talking about sounds like your sympathetic nervous system being stuck. Hmm. Right. When you're thinking about what's this person going to do? Oh, I've got to clean this up. Well, I got to go do this. I uh, I got this to do. This person's going to think this if I do that. You're constantly in that. It's go mode. Train of thought all the time. Your nervous system never gets a break. Mm-hmm. When you're secure with yourself and you have that solid piece of, okay, that's not guilt, that's this, your nervous system can now register a different response and come out of that mode. And it's it elongates your life. Yeah, absolutely it Not does. to go into too much detail, but yeah. That's a, that's a really great point. There are serious health benefits to learning how to stand the fuck up for yourself. Nervous breakdowns, fibromyalgia, autoimmune disorders, you name it can come from uh, too much stress. And if you're feeling guilt for everything that's going on in your life or that you've done in the past, that's not going to weigh well. That's exactly right. In your nervous system. And it really ties back to how we've talked about emotions are just energy. If you are in a lifetime riddled with guilt, that is energy. If it's yeah. not expelled, if it's not processed yeah. in some way, it some will way. come out somehow. That's right. And as you see, most often it comes out in some sort of ailment, disease, right. or some sort of muscular issue, et cetera. That's exactly right. All right. First, emotions are just messaging. Guilt is for rerouting poor behavior. Third thing, I want you to start identifying your biggest triggers for guilt, and then I'm going to walk you through how to use a specific tool that I've formulated around this issue. Identify your biggest trigger. Is it mom always says things that make me feel guilty? Is it my brother? Is it a person? Is it people? Is it around an instance, like anytime I get invited to something or anytime I get a request of some kind, like if somebody says, will you help me move on Sunday or can you cover my shift or will you come in on Saturday or whatever it happens to be? Is it requests, invites that are triggering for you? Is it a category of your life? Like all things work make me feel guilty. All things parenting make me feel guilty. I want you to start tapping into what are those triggers for you because you're going to use the tool I'm giving you on those particular buttons that might be pressed. Okay. Think about that right now. Gather yourself. Think about what that particular category might be for you. And then you're going to use this tool that I've formulated, and it is called NAC, N-A-C. It is an acronym. N stands for something AC. So we're going to walk through that. I love acronyms. I do too. It's a mnemonic device. We remember it much easier. And I'm hoping that it will now help you with your specific guilt trigger that you just identified. Number four, working with NAC. N stands for notice and name. And I highly suggest that you say it out loud if possible. Sometimes it's not possible. And what I mean by notice and name is you notice any sort of guilt response that you feel and you call it out. You say, I'm feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, we're going to notice it like that. Like I'm having a guilty response. I'm feeling some sort of guilt. Notice and name. If you can say it out loud, there is something about putting it into the ether either verbally or written 
that makes it far more real. We get lost in the abyss of our mind. If it comes out in some way, it tends to be much more cathartic and more healing and has less power over you. Sometimes that's not necessarily doable if you're having a conversation with somebody and you're like, I feel guilt, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and it doesn't fit. And they're like, wait, what? Um, Okay, robot. And this whole process you may have to do after the fact because a lot of times you don't realize it that you're going through something like this until you reflect later on and go, oh my gosh, that was the worst guilt trip from my mom or Mm. whatever. N stands for notice and name. A stands for ask. This is what I want you to ask yourself. Have I done anything wrong? Okay. Have I done anything wrong here? According to me, not according to them. Because they might think, yeah, you did do something wrong. When you're at odds with somebody or you're in an argument or something like that and they're trying to make you feel guilty, that can very easily feel like, well, I have done something wrong according to them. No, 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 no. We're erasing that as the barometer. We cannot control what everybody else thinks. Do you feel like you have behaved poorly? This is sort of a side note, and I will I'll link to some of these in the show notes. But this has a lot to do with apologizing and over-explaining yourself as well. I have a personal rule that I will not apologize for something if I don't feel that I did anything wrong. If I've gotten in an argument, like I just had a situation like that recently, and as I was kind of processing being at odds with this particular person in my life, I was looking at the situation. I was really checking in with myself. Am I pleased with my own behavior? Am I mad about anything that I've done? Am I proud of how I showed up basically? Yeah. And I really looked at it and I went, no, I don't believe I have anything to apologize for. So even as we were making amends and kind of rectifying everything, I was very aware to not apologize for something I did not do wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And very much in tandem with guilt. I want you to think about that. You can always say, my intention is not to put you out. My, You can always talk about what your intention is that gets you grounded in who you are, but then it also shares with that person, my intention is not to hurt you, not to let you down. My intention is not to upset you. It's just to stand in self-care take care of myself, be there for my family, make sure I get enough sleep, whatever it happens to be. So what do you tell people that are just going to, would say, I'm just going to apologize because it's so much easier. I can, it can end if I just say, I'm sorry. Yes. That's a great question. That is easier. That's also easy the same way it's easier to just eat the cake instead of having a regimented diet. Mm-hmm. In the grand scheme of something like that, what you really want is a healthy body. It's never going to be less appealing to eat the cake or the pizza or whatever. That's always going to be easier out. You'll always feel better eating the cake until you're done and then you feel like shit because it's not in alignment with your big picture. Same thing with all things personal development. It's easier to acquiesce. It's easier to just apologize in the interim, in that immediate moment. That's what I wanted to get to Not – in the grand scheme. And what you also have to understand about this is that it sends a massive subconscious message about your worth. Yes. And then that starts attacking your uh, sense of self. Yes. And then you're apologizing for everything. Now you're guilty about everything. And then you're obsessing about what everybody else is thinking. And then you're talking mad shit to yourself. 
this is what we're talking about at the workshop. That's right. This this is really the tools that you need to start changing this. The guilt piece is just one little piece of the pie. Your self-talk is huge. You do not escape that. If you want more on that and you want specific tools and worksheets and all sorts of stuff, be sure to come join the After Hours Club so that you don't miss the workshop. That is where you will be able to see it. Again, thejoyjunkie.com slash club, and it'll take you right over to the After Hours Club, and you can hang out with us there, and we'll we'll dig much deeper. So let's go back to NAC. And again, I do want to say what, what you brought up is really important. We think it's easier. We think, ah, I don't want to fight that battle. Ah, it's too much. Ah, it's not worth it. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. I do know that. There are some exceptions. However, if it is chronic, if it's habitual, what you are doing in those moments, what I need you to understand is you are saying to yourself, that person's wants, needs, and desires are more important than my wants, needs, and desires. And if you're okay with that, then apologize and ask, acquiesce. <laughs> nice, Mr. Smith. Yes. That's what you have to understand is happening on a subconscious level. If we go back to NAC, we're looking at noticing and naming when you feel guilt. A for ask, have I done anything wrong according to me? Am I unhappy with my own behavior? And then C stands for choose. We're going to choose two things here. We're going to choose your behavior, what you're going to do about the situation. And then you're also going to choose your self-talk. I'm going to give you a real world example. Notice and name. I had a situation where my mom asked me if I wanted to go to church. And of course, I politely declined. And there was sort of a little bit of a guilt feeling coming along with that. Like, well, that just really, well, I thought you might say that. You know, those sorts of like little underhanded things. I now am at the point where I can notice it like that, right? And I'm going, okay, there's that guilt. Asking myself, have I done anything wrong that's unbefitting of me? No, I have not done anything wrong. And then I choose my behavior. And my behavior is to politely decline and say, hey, thank you so much for thinking of me. I appreciate the invite. However, I actually find that fairly uncomfortable and it's not something that that I feel in alignment with. I'm going to politely decline. That's my choice of behavior. Self-talk then throughout the rest of my day is to speak kindly to myself about that chosen behavior, not to allow all that barrage of commentary saying, oh my God, she's going to be so mad at you. And can you believe that you're a horrible daughter? And are you not allowing that? And again, if this is a huge trigger for you, please be sure to come to the workshop. Hello, this is what we're going to be discussing and and unpacking a little bit. I, I think looking at it, reverse engineering it from the other side. Yep. If you said, oh, you know, I, I can't make it that day, or if you made up an excuse why you couldn't go, that leaves it open for the person to ask you again. Now you're going to be wondering every time you see that person, are they going to invite me to that thing again, right? Here you've squashed it. You've kind of said your piece. And even if that day you're, you know, working through a guilt, at least you're just working through a day of guilt and you're not having to come up with some other excuse to get out of that event the next time and so forth, so on, et cetera, et cetera. Not to mention that you're being a fucking liar. True. You're being a fucking liar. Touche. And that is also another message to yourself that what you want to do with your time 
what you want to do with your effort, even if it's laying down, watching Netflix by yourself, even if it's washing your hair, it doesn't matter. You're saying what that person wants and needs is more important than what I want and need. So I have to make up a fucking lie about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the, that's what's happening in uh, your cells. Underneath of it. Yeah. On the surface level, you're just being a liar. You think it's noble. We think it's so valiant. Let me save their feelings. But what you're doing is being a liar. You can be very kind. And remember, you're not responsible for their feelings. You get to say, thank you so much for that invite. I'm actually not available, but I really appreciate you thinking of me. Done. Yeah. You're being sweet, nice. There's nothing assholey about it. You don't, what letting them down, letting people down is a fallacy. That is on them. That is under their code of conduct. You have let them down. Are you unhappy with yourself? Do you feel like you've let anybody down? Have you done anything that's poor behavior? It's a switch because we're not used to thinking of it like that. Let me give you an example of what I like to call the do over because for many of you, this is going to be a process probably for years. <laughs> I hate yeah. to be you know, the voice of reason here, but I'll, this has taken me years to cultivate, years to spot in an instant. And in fact, I was just sharing with um, some clients of mine. I might have even talked about it here. I had a moment not too long ago with a family member where it was so clear to me, the guilt, and I just didn't skip a beat. And it had, I went through this whole knack process. I just out of instinct. It had become the new norm. Mm -hmm. It, I didn't even have to think about it anymore. I just did not operate from that place any longer. That's totally possible for you, but you have to do the work. That's why I do stuff like the pod. That's why workshop. I do workshops. Mm -hmm. We have the, now the new Facebook group because this shit needs implementation. It's not just a collection of good ideas. You have to do something about it and you have to do it over and over and over again to create a new norm. Yes. Preach. Preach, sister. Now, if you're in this situation where this is newer or you've identified as being a chronic people pleaser, that's kind of something that's really challenging for you as it is for most people. A lot of times what you're going to have to do with this knack tool is you're going to have to use it in retrospect and you're going to have to do a little debrief. I call it the do-over, declaring the do-over. So perhaps you get to the end of your evening and you look at Maybe you take like a whole week to focus on guilt if this is a very topical for you. For an entire week, every night when you go to bed, you reflect on your day and look at, was there any instances where I behaved from a place of inflicted guilt where I did not actually do anything wrong or anything that I was not proud of myself for? And I took that on. Give you a perfect example. Anybody who takes clients or who is in a helping profession doctors, whoever, anybody who has clients and they say to you, oh my gosh, you can't fit me in. I need to get, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm in so much pain. Okay. Of course you are. I completely understand that. And if you don't have the time in your calendar and you start self-sacrificing, knowing that if you put them in your calendar, that means you don't ever get to recharge. Maybe you don't get any downtime. You don't get to date your spouse. You don't get time for your physical fitness. Whatever it happens to be, you're saying, okay, that person's situation is far more important than me and my schedule doesn't matter. And mm -hmm. then you start teaching them that your schedule doesn't matter and it's flexible and it's up for negotiation. 
these are the situations where if you're reevaluating your day, looking at like, oh my God, I felt guilt because I could not accommodate that client. All right, let's think through this. Okay, I remember that feeling, feeling that guilt when they said, oh my gosh, you don't have any spots. And my behavior that I chose was to override that guilt and make it stop at all costs instead of ask myself, have I done anything wrong? And instead, I just said, oh my God, how do I make this guilt stop? And I said, okay, sure, I'll fit you in on a time that I knew would make it extremely hard for me to be there for my clients the next day or to be available for my kids or take time for myself, whatever. There's a cost when you constantly give into guilt. And I'm sure this listener is feeling this, obviously, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure many of you guys out there are feeling the same thing. There is a cost to it. That's when you look at the situation and you go, okay, next time, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to express sympathy. I'm going to express empathy. And then I'm going to tell them what I can do. Instead of saying, oh, I can't fit you in that week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, oh, man, I really wish I could see you, if that's true. I really wish I could fit you in. Unfortunately, I'm completely booked this week. How about next week? Do you have Thursday next week? Or the only other thing I could do is refer you to X, Y, Z, whatever it happens to be. That's what I do. Instead of feeling like it's your responsibility. You used to deal with this all the time. All the time. This is a big one for me. This is likely something that you will have to revisit and look at and go, did I, do I want to do that exact same thing again next time and reroute that? Finally, I want you to start doing some vocab work. This is number five. I want you to stop saying, I feel bad or I feel guilty as a crutch. It's very different when you're using it in the knack. Right. Because when you're noticing and naming and you're going, I'm feeling an emotion of guilt, that's part of the awareness that we're trying to cultivate. I don't want you to use the, I feel guilty when you're describing situations anymore or saying like, oh, I just feel bad. I feel like I let him down. I feel like I need to do this. I feel, oh my gosh, I just feel so guilty. When you know you have not done a goddamn thing wrong. Now, what I do want you to do is switch the wording. I want you to switch the semantics. I want you to start saying something different because remember, most of the time we are not feeling guilt. We're feeling a different emotion. We've just interpreted it as guilt. Most of the time what it is is we're just feeling straight up uncomfortable with somebody else's response. Mm -hmm. I want you to start saying, I feel uncomfortable. I want you to start saying things like, I feel compassionate towards that person, not I feel bad. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel compassionate towards that person. I feel empathy for that person. I feel sympathy for that person. I'm feeling uncomfortable. Or I've also had this situation where people will experience guilt for being away from other people, away from their kids, away from their family. And they are saying, I feel guilty for being away. And I will encourage them to say, have you done anything wrong, first of all? Then they say, no, I have done nothing wrong. What else are you feeling? I'm feeling longing. Most of the time what they're feeling is longing. Mm -hmm. They're feeling longing or they're feeling nostalgia. They're feeling a desire for connection. Stop calling it guilt when it's not guilt. Stop calling yourself bad when you're not bad. That's great. Great advice. Just semantics. That's it. I just want you to switch that after you've identified those times when you're feeling guilty. 
So it's noticing it for the sake of our habit and then rewording it. And again, it's going to take some time working with that acronym, noticing and name it. Oh my gosh. Okay. There's that guilt. Ask, have I done any, Have I done anything wrong? No, I have not. Okay. And sometimes this takes a little bit of time. If you're in the office or something like that, you might want to excuse yourself, go to the bathroom, write something down on paper. If you're at home, take time to unpack it a little bit. If you can, journaling, talking it out. Okay, choose. What do I want to do with this? How do I want to behave? And then really deciding how you want to speak to yourself as well throughout the process. This, you know, this is great for the podcast. I, I think these are these are great things that you can take right now and use, which is awesome. Yes. But I think there's a lot more to it, and I think you go into a lot more depth at the workshop, right? We do a lot more around the self talk piece. Self talk piece, right? That's what I'm getting at. Yep. I think this is great as a starter, like a little bite. Mm-hmm. But I really think you have to get to the bottom of that self-talk in order to really get that fine-tunement like you were talking about, where it's not exactly. even an option anymore. Exactly. Because there's one thing to make the decision to actually decline the invite or say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I'm not available, or I can't fit you in this week, it's going to have to be next week, or I'm choosing to move across the country, please don't be angry, (laughs) or whatever it happens to be where you might experience that feeling of guilt. It's one thing to have that instant. And then there's the barrage of commentary in your head about the decision that you just made, especially at the beginning when you're changing how you've always operated, because I'll tell you right now, a lot of people loved doormat people pleaser you. They like the you who's always available. They like the you who bends over backwards, who will always just put you know them yeah, first. Exactly. Dealing with everything that happens in your head after you start standing up for yourself is monumental. That's why I do think you need to get your ass to class. So three three easy ways to immediately silence your inner shit talkers. Again, you can find everything about it on the show notes page. Very simple. You just go to thejoyjunkie.com slash register. And also it'll be broadcasting live in the brand new Joy Junkie After Hours Club, which I hope you will come and hang out and tell us what you thought about this episode and what you would rather and all of that. And anything else you wanted to throw into the mix here? I don't think so. All right. Sounds fantastic. We'll see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, out.